Welcome to the Postman. In this third episode I discussed with Laura Beloff, a Finnish media artist and researcher. She has an impressive career in new media art, ranging from wearable electronics to biotech. Currently she is a professor at the IT University of Copenhagen, where she, among many other things, works with scientists in robotics, evolution and art, the real research group. We had a fascinating discussion about her way into the academia, her artistic work, Christmas trees, self-driving cars, among others. You can find links to her work from the episode's show notes or from the podcast's website. But now to the discussion. So I'm Laura Beloff. I'm at the moment working um, uh, in IT University in Copenhagen. Uh, I'm a sort of an accidental academic. So I, I studied to become an artist, and I am still an artist, and I am active, actively making works, but accidents happen, so I also ended up in, in academia. Um, I work with the sort of a crossover art, science, technology, which is very much also in my interest, and not necessarily an accident, that one. But uh, yeah, so so I guess the... Art is the first one for me, and then the science and technology follow that. <laughs> How did that accident happen? <laughs> the academic accident. Yes. Yeah, that's weird. I guess I, as a person, I, I think I'm not very strategically planning on careers or anything mm. like that. I'm just in- extremely interested of things. And so that led, of course, that um, I studied arts uh, really long and uh, and a lot of things. So I studied in, in Finland, I studied first uh, photography. And uh, at the end of photography, I noticed that I'm actually fighting against photography. And now we are talking like somewhere 1990s. And then I'm like, okay, so what then? And then suddenly early 90s and the computers sort of all started appearing in my horizon and one day I, I realized that with the computers you can actually imitate behavior so it's real time and you can imitate behavior which completely kicked me in and that moment I also uh, looking at my my works uh, in photography I was I realized something, I realized that what always bothered me with photography was the idea of the past moment. So photography very much at that time was dealt as a kind of a, some sort of a record or some sort of a moment which has happened. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of an evidence. And I always was fighting against that. So of course, digital world could work differently. And that was sort of a marriage with that. 
uh, immediately, but not because of technology as such, but because of these features that you could deal with uh, in a very different way with the with the art and with the ideas. So I guess I guess one could say that already that time I was very interested of uh, concepts of artificial life and and things like that, without not necessarily very systematically realizing myself that. Yeah, so, I mean, then the accident happened that <laughs> you start go, going with that. And, um, yeah, and then at some point I thought, I probably was thinking, like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years, should I do a doctorate, which was... Now it's more kind of expected. Earlier it was not so expected. Mm. And at some point then I thought, okay, maybe that's a way to go deeper into my own interests and work. So that was my reasons to start doing a PhD. And then, of course, when you end up doing a PhD, other things start emerging, and then you realize, okay, now I'm expected to work in academia. Hmm. So so there, there comes other players and agencies somehow on your plate. And, and that sort of an accident happened then at some point that, that I was finishing my PhD and this institute actually contacted me and asked if I would be interested to come here. And I, I said, hmm, I'm not sure you're a science institute and I'm an artist. But they had an interest in, in, in that sort of a combination. And uh, yeah, so I, I came here as a kind of test year. And now I'm still here. Five years ago, I came this time. So, so I mean, it has good sides and bad sides. Uh, my own interest was very much this, that, okay, so much talk about art and science and technology and these crossovers that art and science uh, should work together. So what, what is it in real life? That was also my interest to come and test out, does it work? Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, can you... Talk a little bit about what kind of uh, research are you doing right now? Okay, so I have, um, as my PhD was sort of uh, concluding uh, uh, quite a, quite a, some years of work which was dealing, um, when I started it, it was not called wearable technology. That uh, word didn't exist. So it came soon after I started working with the uh, things you wear. However, uh, the way the wearable technologies has developed uh, from my, this is my own personal perspective, is very much the fashion and and this sort of, um, let's say, design issues came with it. I was not actually interested of that. So I end up in exhibitions where I felt that nobody realizes I'm, I'm, I'm not belonging here. So what I was interested in was human enhancement. So questions, and I, I, I actually pretty much could claim also that a lot of the work on wearable technology actually stems from questions of enhancing the human, even if they might focus on, you know, fashionable things and so on. But I think a lot of them come, and I was specifically interested in that. So I had a um, PhD sort of a looking at at this as an artistic strategy and trying to also pinpoint down that not all the wearables follow, uh, for example, the lead of cognitive scientists or some others who are aiming for a smooth experience, but there are a few which don't. And I I saw myself in that context. So I was trying to picture out 
Um, however, uh, that idea that you have enhanced humans, at the end of that, uh, where I sort of uh, got more and more interested in biology and sciences and how other people think, I also noticed that, well, wait a minute, we are not only enhancing the human, but we are enhancing an environment. And that sort of uh, uh, kicked in my thinking. And uh, after I finished the PhD, I also started looking at the environment and sort of uh, human enhancement and environmental enhancement. And now comes the Finnish part. So Finns, uh, and I'm not sure you know that too, have a tendency, I think there's a, some kind of a myth that uh, Finnish people would have stronger nature-human relation um, than other people. The other might be more urban <coughs> or so on. So there exists this underlying tone. Well, I think an interesting question, what, what I, I see myself dealing with is, if that's true, so what if when we have a enhanced human and we have enhanced environment, doesn't that imply the relationship must also change? And that's sort of been my focus. So, so this kind of um, uh, hypothesis that that this, uh, what is that relationship, and and what kind of relationships can there be? So, like a lot of work in previous years with the humans. Now I have a, a more work which tries to look at the environment, but actually the focus is in between those. So that's yeah. sort of a, yeah. Concretely, what I do, hmm. <laughs> I have some <coughs> ants in the lab at the moment, and so I'm part of a really um, super interesting and fun research group uh, here in the house, which is actually the only crossover research group. So it's called Real Robotics Evolution and Art, <coughs> and uh, and uh, in that, um, why the the there's a roboticist who leads it, Casper uh, Stoy. And he asked me actually in the very beginning to join, and I said, uh, "Sure." After I talked with him, and we realized we share a similar interest in the um, looking at biological things and technological things, and uh, and then came a third person as a kind of senior level who was looking at the artificial intelligence. So in their side, they look a lot of bio-inspired robotics or bio-inspired things. However, when the computational evolution is in question, there is a big interest on biological evolution. So this, so that's a sort of our areas uh, we share an interest. Me as an artist, just poking and experimenting in a pretty crazy way, like for them and them, them trying to do something purposeful, which is quite fun. Fun actually, sometimes like to see that that uh, they have a. At the same time that I know they appreciate my existence, they might have sometimes <laughs> hard time uh, understanding why. But they do acknowledge that I ask different, maybe larger questions than they do, where they have more the problem solving. And I'm more kind of coming maybe from the critical point of view and speculating on some, can it be that way, and push out questions. So it's, uh, they give answers. I, I, I make questions, I guess that one could say. So that's sort of, um, yeah, so 
Yeah. So I have been recently working. I did this uh, condition, uh, which dealt with the kind of uh, Denmark is the biggest producer of Christmas trees. And, um, and it occurred to me in a very weird way, like often my work start. So I'm driving around uh, Denmark on other issues and like looking at these fields that is so strange. They look kind of Christmas trees, but that's really weird that they are planted. Like, why? Because in Finland, of course, you go to the neighbor's forest and you get the tree and so on. And, uh, and then, uh, I was talking to someone and they said, yeah, 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 they, they, there's quite a lot of our production of Christmas trees. And I was like, wow. And then I read an article in a newspaper that they are cloning the Christmas trees. Okay, so that was the moment I got completely hooked. So I contacted the, the, the Copenhagen <coughs> University professors who, who were cloning them and started uh, discussing and talking with them. And... Uh, at the same time, I had this interest that um, I was kind of trying to bring few things together of of kind of a plant and robots and, and looking into that. So then um, I made this work where I have uh, these, these cloned Christmas trees, but I put it them with the um, sort of an analog microgravity um, environment. So this is one direction on microgravity. So that means uh, plants react fairly slowly uh, to uh, when you have a rotating movement. And that creates to them a different gravitational condition than what we have. So I used that with these Christmas trees, with, of course, a kind of an underlying idea that, okay, kind of or ironic question that can these Christmas trees follow us if we go to space or the, our planets, maybe conditions change very. So is that cultural icon survivor? So that was sort of a um, kind of the the question the 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 work pushes forward. Of course, there are many other questions. One of them is uh, why I was interested that this clone tree is really interesting is because it still is a biological organism, even if it's cloned. And it came from, actually, originally from Caucasus. So it was already an immigrant in this country. So there's certain kind of sociopolitical situations brings it here, and then it comes a huge economic value. So these Christmas tree forests in Denmark is the most important tree forests, actually, in this country, because they have this economic value. So they've played a um, sort of a... It is a combination of biology, economy, and um, and of course then cultural culture as a as an idea of a Christmas tree. So this combination was a, a sort of a strong interest in me and and about our relationship also. And yeah, then this uh, whole rotational thing and yeah, and then of course I linked it. Uh, not to be too simple, I linked it to the to the NASA satellite um, with the space weather. And that sort of uh, was giving the data how what speed should it rotate and so on. So it had that sort of a real-time link to space aspect as well. <laughs> uh, that's really fascinating. Uh, how did that uh, sort of uh, collab- collaboration work then with the science sort of uh, 
scientist if, if one could say that but yeah a scientist and technologist well mm. that's an interesting thing and i see it very strongly now with the research group here that that uh, first of all it's not necessarily easy it's like in personal level it doesn't mean who like what you are like in profession uh it can happen if you like same than art artist collaboration you can collaborate with some people and some it's not so easy you know it's a similar thing that it's a personal dynamics um however with this kind of setting where you have the scientist and the artist the the setting um is framed in a different a little bit differently so first you come from different backgrounds so you have a different uh, maybe motivations um but also i think what is more hindering that is that um the the framing of uh, research is very different so artists uh they do their work anyway so they mm-hmm. they hope for funding which is usually minimal but they do it anyway because they're interested in that scientists not necessarily in most cases scientists don't do a research if it's not funded so they mm-hmm. and, and then only certain type of research is of course funded so that's also interesting that's what the scientists complain so you have to kind of follow the the funding trends there in some sense mm-hmm. and some some of them might do so boring research at the moment that it's really tough to get any funding for it but if they don't get the funding they don't do the research and that's also different i think in 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 principle in this house which where i am at the moment which is a science university you are expected you bring in the money that you can do research so that mm-hmm. also shifts and of course we all know that arts uh, funding is much less than the science funding so these courses are some sort of a weird constellations that you have to kind of figure out how does that actually work as well in in very practical level uh the scientists um most of them are trained to work in this way especially in the kind of technological sciences that uh you don't do anything but you have phd's and postdocs who do the stuff so you just ad manage or administrate but that doesn't work for the artists because you want to be the one mm-hmm. doing so that's a very interesting dilemma in that sense otherwise i think i mean this collaboration also in a way worked uh quite okay but i have to say that it i got more from it than them so it's <coughs> often uh, also this directional how to like I, i guess one of my questions is how can you create reciprocal um uh situations and movements in this kind of research and that's not necessarily super super sort of uh easy so yeah i guess those are um sort of uh some of the questions i think commonly they yeah commonly they work but um a lot of times like now with the with the real group i think it's also important that artists and scientists work parallel it doesn't always need to be that you work um 
together, at least not from the beginning, because a lot of these collaborations then start naturally. When you are in the same room, you share the same space, you see what they do, you discuss it, they see what you do, they wonder about it, you know, that there is this uh, shared space. So it's funny, actually, now I'm saying kind of, but it, it, it's actually important, the physical space also, that, that mm. we have a lab that, that where you can have this parallel um, sort of our investigations. And then the ideas, you know, fly there in a very different way than in, in a formal discussion would. Yeah, I don't know if that mm. really answered your question. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's just really, really interesting points. And yes, it's very interesting to hear. If it's just sort of a jump more into into your artistic work or what, however you want to sort of frame it. But if you if you think about technology's role in your work, uh, how do you see it? Is it do you see it as a, as a medium or is it like a tool or something else? What's the relation to the technology you use? Yeah. Um, first, I, I don't always need to have technology. It's not the must for me. But often mm. they somehow might reference then technologies or they reference future, which is sort of, a, let's say, mocked up together with the with the kind of a ideas. So, so in some sense, underneath, you might have technological thoughts. Um, I, I think I've worked a lot with the various technologies. Um, I am extremely interested of this idea how biology and technology meet. And that's, of course, at the moment, biotechnology, which is an en- engineering discipline. So that kind of already implies that there is a, a strong technological component. But to what extent does it then deal with the questions what comes dealing with the living matter? Not so much. So that's sort of, a, or I guess my question is also, can you deal in a different way with biology? Why do we imply a very similar technological thinking towards biology? So that's also, of course, a lot of my works are very sort of a simple Questions might be more complex what I deal with, but uh, they come out uh, often in in some sense a simple in a simple way. Um, yeah, now I'm just thinking, how do I relate to technologies? Um, what I'm often interested in is also when technologies uh, reach a certain point of no return. So that, like for example. I dealt uh, with my human enhancement works a lot with the uh, networks and how we humans, which is now obvious, but when I started it was not so obvious, that we all live in this kind of a two worlds. One is networked and uh, and one is maybe physical and they're sort of a meeting meeting point. So mm. I, I'm interested of technologies that make a, make a um, kind of profound change in the human humans' lives. So somehow, like from network technology, there is no point of return anymore. It would be more expensive to try to establish a new system or go back to the old system. So that's what I mean, with the point of no return there. Whereas, like with biotechnologies, um, my interest is also that I think it changes our relation to the natural organisms or other 
non-human organisms because now we designed them. So that means you need skills mm. to do that. And and like it is an interesting question, I think, to poke with the idea that uh, if the same way that let's say someone designs a chair, like the typical designers, how would you design an organism? And if you are a designer, if you are artist, which comes from an aesthetic uh, sort of a training, so not necessarily looking at the functionalities, but looking at certain other things, how do you design an organism? Or how do you design or modify the organism to a certain direction? So I think those questions are really um, interesting because that has not been possible before. But that's possible now, or it's becoming more and more possible now. So I guess my relation to technology is in this sort of a, uh, yeah, questions uh, which which somehow impact us more than necessarily something which we are so accustomed to. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking of cars, but that's actually wrong. Because self-driving cars is, of course, an interesting phenomenon which is coming. Mm-hmm. And that's also, I mean, what is really interesting in it when I was talking with someone, when I realized that it's always talked about to us as, and you see the showing of these small cars, but the actual driver behind that is trucks, self-driving mm-hmm. trucks. Uh, and tr- trucks, of course, I mean, as a logistic, that makes totally sense. But it feels scary. And that's why we never see those in images when they're talked about the self-driving cars. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It was actually just today in in Finland news that there's going to be self-driving trucks in the roads for this year. I think it was Yes, exactly. One fears them a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, I I think they make less mistakes, but there's some fear because it's so big, you know somehow then more with the smaller scale cars yeah yes and you can't really know what they are going to do <laughs> in in a way that if, if you see the driver you can in some ways trust that may, that if he sees you he will not drive over you but if you don't see anyone you don't have any reference point and that actually is said to be one of the problems with self-driving is it a smaller bigger car is this um, when you cross the street as a pedestrian, you often make an eye contact with the driver. And if mm-hmm. you don't have the driver, how is that? How do you communicate that sort of a um, shared trust that, okay, now it's my turn, you know, can Yeah, that that's true. And also that there's no regulation uh, yet, maybe. So if, if you see a self-driving, I don't know, Mercedes-Benz, does it behave differently than, I don't know, Volkswagen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> like what is your identity? But then, yeah, yeah. Not like which one day takes more risks? Does the Mercedes-Benz take more risks? Mm. And are you okay with that? And then you might be 10 minutes before in your destination than with the Volkswagen. Which, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's an that's interesting speculation one can get from that. Yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting about the biotech, the sort of that it's, it's a technology and it, we are creating it in one way that I've been, what I've been studying is sort of a, 
digitality or how, how the code creates the sort of uh, constructs the world in, in in a very physical sense but in in biotech it's even much more concrete in a way and how do you see sort of uh, artist's role in that uh, yeah 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 that's a good question like i mean now uh, yeah what can an artist do what should be the artist's role I mean, in the world, I think that we're a little bit pushed on the side, but I would blame also on that little bit artists, um, artists themselves um, with this uh, easily sort of uh, taking a, a very strong, uh, we have a right to do what we, we, we want. Yes, I agree with that. But this idea of um, art for art's sake, this kind of, separation uh, from societal questions and uh, and I think that that sort of uh, had a little bit maybe hindered throughout the years um, that the arts would be considered as an important part of society um, from wide public there are always people who think that and 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 but I think there's also a lot of people who think this is nonsense and I would like to get rid of that sort of a nonsense thinking but the more acceptance and that's of course an interesting question then what is an arts role uh, to deal with science Uh, science of course their their immediate answer is oh you're good in disseminating because you deal with the public and so on so that's the easy answer Mm -hmm. however I think a lot of our uh, artists are not interested in illustrating the scientific discoveries I think they are more, at least those which work in this kind of experimental uh, arenas, they are interested of doing critical questions. They are interested of poking around, um, what does it mean? So so if you think of uh, scientific knowledge as a rational side, and then we have as humans, as, as sort of our biological beings, we have this experiential side in, our, in us, and I think that art could, at least one thing it can do, can maybe bridge that, so so mm. that you can you can somehow meet uh, the the scientific knowledge with the with the sort of uh, experiences what you have in the physical world and and sort of a poke around that. At least that's one thing. Of course, critical questions. A lot of uh, artists have worked on ethical questions on on biotechnologies. That's, of course, also important. But I also see that um, artists can be innovators and and, um, they can show, at least for scientists, they can show different methodologies, different ways to think. Um, And I think they can come also, come innovations. And now with the innovation, I am definitely not only referencing uh, sort of our economic innovation, but but something new. It might be just a thinking, you know, which is new. Innovation in that, that you end up having a thought, which is really interesting. And, yeah, I don't know. I have also written earlier that, uh, in some sense, um, what I think, me as an artist, I also do, I, I, I put out works as a, as also rehearsals for the future. So you kind of rehearse with the looking at my works and the questions and thoughts 
you get from those. So, so it, as I'm interested of the kind of more kind of future related thinking, then uh, that comes a reversal, which you don't necessarily have possibilities in other places. And of course, I mean, I think, of course, I, I'm not against like any sort of a um, arts being a sort of a, yes, I am. And like now I'm, I don't know what I'm saying at the moment. <laughs> what can that part? <laughs> no, I'm just like thinking that this, uh, uh, I think that this idea that the arts would be used I think this is a very strong um, uh, sort of a that arts is used for other purposes than art. This is a big sort of a taboo issue, mm-hmm. and of course, I'm sure that I also have a tendency of steering away from that. However, I think it could be used. What arts can give, not that it's used, but one should turn it around somehow as an artist and think. What can I give to this world? Like, like you asked me, what is the art's role? I don't know. I think we, we, it's, yeah. But somehow, not to have it negative, but somehow you need to get, uh, if, you want, if artists want to uh, become, let's say, the most important part of the society, which is maybe at the moment considered more of the science and technology developers are the more important than the artists, how, what would it take to change that? The thinking needs to change. The values need to change. So I guess the arts um, crowd can be that you you sort of uh, propose um, other ways to look at the world, other values and so on. But uh, I think that it's 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 not it's not always very clever from the artists either to steer away and say art for art's sake yes and no uh, in some sense yes of course you do art because you do uh, but there could be I think there could be more also beneficial for the arts so mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I don't have an answer I think <laughs> I think that was a great answer <laughs> actually but yeah I'm really a little bit now mocking the artists but uh but not really. I mean, at the same time, of course, I have a huge respect and so on. But uh, mm-hmm. I think artists, same than scientists, both need to be also self-critical. There's a yeah, both yeah, sides exactly. have a tendency of, oh, this field is the best and, and the greatest and so on. But uh, if we want to bring um, the sort of uh, these areas closer together, uh, they need to change. I don't mm-hmm. say... Now take a note. I don't say they need to compromise, but they need to change somehow. Yeah, that's that's true. I think so too. Um, yeah. Uh, where should we go now? I think I have I have a one more sort of a team, and then a small bonus question. I was just I, I just saw that you had published a, a article on the techno-organic practices in the Nordic art and I, I was just like sort of a, it would be interesting to hear about that 
about that that how, how, in, in which shape or how how are the, the sort of techno organic practices in the nordic there's of course there's a sort of i think the bio thing is quite strong but otherwise it's it's quite at least in finland it's a sort of it's not that big or it's not that i don't know yeah can you talk about that <laughs> mm, yeah So first of all, this techno-organic, uh, I think actually I have sort of coined the word uh, already some years ago when I was looking for um, a word which would combine this interest of mine uh, between kind of biological things or, or beings and organisms and then technology. And um, uh, and this uh, techno-organic practices, I, I reference with that, Uh, yeah, this kind of work which crosses from biological to technological and pokes sometimes more in one area and and has a maybe more sort of a conceptual links to the other and sometimes it's more concrete and so on. So that's sort of our, the explanation of the term. And yes, I was writing this article um, already maybe two years ago. And um, uh, and with that, uh, it was for an anthology which is coming out about kind of a digital digital uh, Nordic art, and um, and I was asked, and I said, well, listen, I think more important would be now to show that these uh, uh, digital and biological they're coming together because if you look at in the history of media arts, a lot of the people who work now maybe with biotechnologies, actually come from that background. And um, so I started a little bit looking, and of course it's my own history as well, which was very funny. This is a very strange article I have never written, which is so much based that I could, you know, write it out uh, like knowing things. And then, of course, you find the references, but uh, in some sense I didn't need to uh, speculate, was it this way or that way? So I could write a lot on my own history and and uh, I wanted to bring it into this kind of a anthology because uh, of course the circles are small but one could say also in the media arts the circles are small so same mm-hmm. with the kind of let's say bio or biotech art uh, the circles are, are are fairly small so I don't know if there's a difference however I think it is um, um, I see this especially the biotech art as kind of a a part of uh, development from media arts. So sort of our people working with the media technologies and looking many things and doing, and how a lot of them started looking into biotechnologies. And I think that why this happened, uh, I think it's uh, caused by the, uh, let's say, the our challenging questions as a, as a humankind at the moment, which is one of them is climate change and, and their sort of our environmental questions which are big ones what we have and I think this uh, sort of uh, has boosted because you know artists are in some sense sensors of or antennas of society so they often start poking around of uh, issues which are very important and I think that that sort of uh, boosted up um, and maybe the, the interest in technology as such and already having some skills for that Uh, brought also a lot of the artists to look at this other side. So that's sort of a, what I wanted for this article to bring out, that now there are several artists also in the Nordic with with work uh, uh, crossover. And one of maybe my my um, 
uh, one of the, the works which I find very interesting has been Antitenetsis, this uh, long-term work with the tracking of animals like wolves. And uh, why is that? I mean, that seems so obvious and it seems science is done and so on. But if you really start thinking it, so the tracking is done with the satellite. So suddenly, uh, wolf, which is considered as a sort of a wild animal, is a different animal now, I think, because he, he's suddenly connected to a satellite and we can suddenly follow him with the digital tools or the digital uh, representation of that. So that kind of a, uh, idea that biology and nature is no longer what it used to be, sort of a really strongly, I think, um, sort of a kicked in with this work, or it's, it's easier to understand what I'm after uh, when writing this article, is to show these practices where, where it crosses over. So that was really the, and of course the article a little bit talks also about the history of media arts, uh, specifically in Finland, and also I've lived in Norway, so in, in, in I have some other Scandinavian tour going on in my life. So, so, so uh, looking at how different places have developed with the media art and, and now with the bio art is also quite interesting to observe. Yeah, so... Yes, fascinating. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think we have been spoken about a little over half hour, so I think it's good time to maybe stop. I have a, a we'll link to your work uh, in, in the podcast website, but I have a one more sort of a bonus question which I ask in the end. So it's it's about that if you could, it, yeah. If you could take only one digital device to a desert island, what would you take? Oh, wow, that's an interesting thing. One digital device. Oh, that's really interesting. I was going to say satellite phone, but then <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe I would take the satellite. <laughs> like, but it's not really digital. <laughs> like, hmm, that's an interesting thing. What on earth would I take? I wouldn't take, I would not take any of, uh, let's assume, because my question would be, I think the network wouldn't be working there. So let's say if it's that deserted, there is no mobile network. So it doesn't make sense to take any of the the, the network, except uh, that if you can build your own network, and that's why I'm thinking <coughs> immediately, like maybe satellites would be safer than the kind of a land-built sort of uh, antennas. So, yeah, but then digital device, I guess I would take, yeah, would I take a tool? <laughs> okay, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, to measure the, when I'm building there something and trying to make a connection to the other world. <laughs> yes, that I can measure if the, the currents go correct and so on. Something like that I would take. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. I would take a tool. Well. Yeah, okay. I would take a tool to be able to build something. That's that's sort of. A, I guess <laughs> Great. What I would say. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, and thank, thank you for yes, the podcast. Thank you for listening, the postman. More info from the website www.thispagehassomeissues.com/slash/postman. <laughs>